never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Drakaris. Business while doing the nonsense. I don't think I have any business coming up, so um, okay. originally not Whoa. next week, but the week after we were going to go on vacation, but that with Nicole's work that kind of fell through. So I don't in the immediate weeks, I don't have any schedule conflicts or anything. Um, are you going to uh, Nick's wedding this weekend in St. Louis? No, because I have another wedding I got to go to. Oh, fun stuff. <laughs> yep and i found out about nick so we have wendy's cousins getting married so we okay. have to go to that wedding and then because everyone's in town we have this massive family reunion for her side and her mom told me about it oh. and i go there's no way i can pull off both and oh yeah definitely. i found out nick was getting married like i found out the date <laughs> and everything later <laughs> i got you so, out of out of state weddings it's like I feel like you don't have to feel that bad if you can't make it because it's kind of <laughs> just harder to get to for everybody. So yeah, I know. I just I feel I just feel really guilty. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Okay, I think I got the list and all that stuff figured out. My nonsense. All right. Um. Are you ready to roll? Yes. Cool. Uh, I'm ready when you are. Oh right, I gotta do the countdown. Oh, yeah, I got to do right. my thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Five, four, three, two. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the only podcast that breaks the fourth wall to get in the show, not out. <laughs> my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me always is my brother, Peter. How are you, man? Uh, Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm actually doing really well. Um, I've had a busy week. I watched some stuff. Um, excited to talk about some stuff. I've got a lot of news. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, I, I am here, by the way. i got to throw my uh, catchphrase out there. But um, I know what you mean. I feel like I've watched a decent amount of things this week, too. But what's sad is, like, even though I feel like I've watched a lot, I'm still finding myself to be falling behind in all of the just the plethora of tv shows that are coming out and <laughs> that's just frustrating but you know there's only so many hours in a day there's definitely some series i need to catch up on but i'm loving everything i'm, I'm watching right now for the most part so yeah. uh yeah that's awesome <laughs> great all right before we start watching and reading categories um little podcasting announcement for us i figured i'd wait till the show to tell you but we are expanding our listening audience, and I'm always looking for ways to do so. So you can listen to us on Google Play, <coughs> iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and as of today, we are now on Amazon Music and Audible. So Sweet. 
you can listen to us on Amazon Music. You can listen to us on Audible. And I'm getting to the point where it's whatever podcatcher of your choice is, we will try and be there. Um, We're just still not on, not to like, <laughs> not to put a spotlight not, light on any shortcomings. We're still not on Spotify yet, right? No. And it's and we, that's that's the big one we got to get on. I and think. that's the big one. And like they have the weirdest hoops. Like I like go to do the thing and I plug in the RSS feed and then it comes back with an error. And I'm like, <laughs> everyone else but you accepts this. <laughs> Sorry, Spotify. We can't all be Joe Rogan. We can't all host Fear Factor, you know? <laughs> you right. gotta let some like, of us lowly common folk on your platform, too. Yeah, it's like, what exactly do you want me to do to um, fix this for you? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I just think Spotify and YouTube are the two platforms we just need to push for. And uh, YouTube is easy but hard because it's a lot of uploading. <laughs> Well, YouTube, I was actually, because I was when I was waiting for you to call, I was actually kind of digging into that. I'm like, oh, cool. Is there a lot of uploading or do they just need the feed and whatever image we're putting into it? So and I'm like, there's a lot I'm of, like, wow, I don't really know what I got to do. <laughs> there's so. a lot of uploading. If like, because I, I, I know what you mean. Like we could just put a static image. We could put the podcast logo or some sort of uh like a montage image of all the stuff we yeah. talk about that week. But and a lot of podcasts do that. Yeah. So. I'm looking at like, what are we 200 plus episodes in? And that's where, if we wanted to upload the back catalog, that's a ton of work. But if oh. you just want to drop the next episode on YouTube and just kind of go from there, that's an option too. And that <laughs> it's probably a lot easier. So. <laughs> Right. Well, we'll we'll see. This is not this isn't a job. This is a for fun hobby. So we'll see how that plays out. Right. On, um, right on. Anyway, enough with the nonsense. Let's talk about fun stuff because we got a bunch to cover. So, Peter, what are we watching? What are we reading? Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about, which I can keep super short because it's a little bit outside of the spectrum of the podcast, but it is probably the coolest thing I did this last week was uh I couldn't record last Wednesday, and the reason I couldn't is because I was going into the city to go see uh, Iron Maiden with one of my buddies, which was just a uh, cathartic experience, to be honest. Um, this is a band that I've always liked, but within the last five to ten years, they've kind of grown to be one of my favorite bands. And uh, I don't know, this is they're literally the best band I've seen live um, when it comes to it's kind of funny, but these are guys who are all in or pushing 70 you know they're like getting up there in age but they still have one of the most energetic live performances i've heard they are amazing sounding still and uh when it comes to like related to the podcast when it comes to um just cartoony and uh horrific and comic book style imagery they deliver that in spades when it comes to crazy stage setups and backgrounds and prosthetics and uh giant inflatable like uh demon heads and stuff in the background and stuff like they're just amazing so whether you're into that kind of music or not, I just think everybody needs to see Iron Maiden at least once because they are just awesome. So I don't want to go on a huge rant about that because it's more music related than what we usually talk about. But that's probably the coolest thing I've, <laughs> I've done this past week. So that was great. But right. uh, unless you have any comments on that, I could probably jump into some of my watching and reading and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I don't because <laughs> I did not go see the concert. And um, that's 
That's awesome that you did. <laughs> I completely understand why you wanted to. Uh, well, it's kind of like I was going to that special screening at Clerks, and I was like, we got to do it around this. I can't, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. So. And it's like you saw Clerks 3 before anybody else did, so you can't, like, talk too much about the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you don't want to spoil anything. Especially for me, like, just, I wouldn't want to spoil anything. Other than the fact that I was anything, very so. happy with it. I will say that again. Sorry. Oh, no, I said especially I would I wouldn't want you to spoil that one for me. But uh, yeah. yeah, what were you saying? No, I was just saying just because all I can really say is I was very happy with it. I think you're going to love it. I can't wait to discuss after you've seen the movie. Um, I have already pre-ordered my Blu-ray. Um, so those those are up if you want to try and get your hands on it now because the pre-orders are open. So awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Anyway. Um, anyway, let's watching and reading. What do we got? Yeah, for sure. So. The one thing outside of, like, kind of the um, typical, like, uh, rotisserie of TV shows we've been watching recently that I got a chance to check out was I finally watched uh, The Tomorrow War on uh, Amazon Prime, I believe. And oh, okay. Drew, you reviewed this a long time ago, I want to say, did, right? I did, because I watched it, like, the week it came out, so. Yeah. So, I will say this movie was super fun. I enjoyed, like, every minute of it. It definitely held my attention. I thought the creature design in the movie, because there's all these alien creatures from the future that they have to uh, fight off through the movie. And uh, that's a very generalized, broad statement about the film. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to be trying not to be too long about this since you already reviewed it. But the creature designs were very cool. I think now that we're in the age of CGI creatures in movies, there's sometimes where. So you have like old movies like Star Wars or uh, Alien where you see the movie and you feel like you could come home. And some of those, you know, some of those creatures in these movies, you feel like you can draw from memory because they were practical effects. You know, they were prosthetic props and costumes and they have these really kind of simple but in a good way designed to them like everybody kind of knows the silhouette of a xenomorph just off the top of your head you can picture that head with the really long back piece and stuff and i think in newer cgi films i think they overcomplicate things like for example i will i'm gonna stop you real quick almost everyone knows what a xenomorph is and i say that because (laughs) and i say that because i was in my adult D D game and I didn't the creature that was about to appear for the encounter when I was explaining it, I said the tail disappears into the darkness very much the way a xenomorph's tail would. You know what I mean? Right. I know you can picture that image the way I say that. And I had three people at the table go, I don't know what a xenomorph is. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, when you when oh, you mentioned okay. the I'm sure when you mentioned the the alien series, they knew what you were they talking did. about, sure right? That, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so anyways, uh, no, what I was saying is like, for example, like I love the movie uh, Super 8 or yeah, Super 8. But uh, I can't tell you what the monster in that movie looked like. Like, I remember it looked cool, oh. but it's just overly complicated and hard to explain. And it's the same thing with like try to describe what the Cloverfield monster looks like. It's really difficult, you know, as opposed to like describe what Godzilla looks like. It's a lot easier to do. And I think. I think that the Tomorrow War actually struck a good balance where it was a complicated looking uh, alien species that they were fighting against. But I feel like they dialed it back just enough that every time you saw one of the monsters on screen, it was recognizable enough and you could 
still you still have that memory imprint of the creature in your mind. And so these aren't like these creatures aren't as iconic as like a xenomorph, for example, but they are like they did a pretty good job, I think, of doing just a good creature design that's also not overly complex. That's kind of like you can that I guess is memorable overall is what I'm saying. So the one my one complaint about the Tomorrow War is um, about two thirds through the film when they come back, like when Chris Pratt's character comes back to present day, the way some of that stuff played out started to feel a little bit action movie tropey to me. Like it felt a little bit like, yes, it did. Yeah. Certain things were like a little too convenient. Like they need to know this really specific detail about like volcanic ash in the earth's atmosphere. So they go and ask a high school student about it. And of course he knows exactly the answers. And I'm just like, this is so unrealistic. Like I love this movie, but just some of the stuff at the end was just a little too, it was a little hard to suspend my disbelief. I guess I can say that, but that's my one complaint. Again, this movie held my attention the whole way through, and it's definitely like a really fun sort of like action sci-fi romp, if you will. So, yeah, I got you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Aside from the norm. uh, Yeah, everything else I have, I guarantee you watched as well. So (laughs) I didn't get a a chance to watch Andor this week, but that's okay um, because I was bit like it dropped the episode dropped yesterday. Um, I've been busy, so I'll watch it at some point. Um, yeah, here coming up. Um, so I'm not really worried about missing out on Andor just yet. Um, the internet hasn't spoiled anything for me, so that's all right. Um, yeah, so I watched Lord of the Rings is trucking along. Um, I, it's, I'm finding it so hard to watch because of that billion dollar budget. And I wish, I wish I never knew the price. Yeah, really, really do. And that's really I feel like the downfall of the show for me is knowing how much the show costs. And I'm going to tr- and I'm trying my best. There's there's some nice things they're doing. There really is, because like the formation of Mount Doom, if you watched last week's episode, you got to see the Balrog for the first time. Um, they're building to something which is great, but it's got a slow burn. And then the price tag is making me like look through it with a special prism and it's, it's unfair <laughs> to the show. And I feel like they shot themselves in the foot because of it. Um, Absolutely. Game of Thrones was fantastic. Um, yes. Dude. When that guy and like some of the character names I'm drawing a little blanks on, but the one, the one guy, the sea snakes brother uh, is mouthing off to right. the king and Damon's just like say it like he's just goading him because he's like I'm gonna kill you as soon as you do <laughs> that was that was awesome Damon is like right now one of my favorite characters um <laughs> so so here's the genius about that part and I think the show in general and I'm sorry to cut you off but just since you were commenting on that because if you watch the behind of the scenes uh sort of like uh yeah the behind the scenes look at the end of the credits after this episode that character, the actor for that character is talking about how he knows when he's going off about uh, Rhaenyra's uh, sons being bastards, that yeah. he knows that this is the end for him. Like, he is yeah, I, not going to survive this, but it's the truth that he knows. Like, he knows it's true and he has to say it. And that's what's really cool is, like, he was completely in the right at that part that he was saying all these things. 
But the genius of the show is even though everything he's doing is like correct, you're still rooting against him. And I don't know how like it's the show is crazy (laughs) because it makes you go against your morals like so much. But it's just so like masterfully crafted as I don't know. There's a I don't know. You find yourself like contradicting what you how you would normally be when you watch the show as far as who you're rooting for and stuff and i just think the show has done that so well and like i'm really impressed by it it makes for like a really fun watching experience where everything's nuanced and everything hits you the opposite way than it should you know when you look at it on paper um another example is like the character uh amond who his older uh his the actor who plays the older version of him has such a like hateable face. Like they picked the perfect guy to make this person have that really villainous, like, Oh, I love to hate this guy sort of presence. But the thing is on paper, he really hasn't done that much wrong. <laughs> I feel like the reason why he's like mad at uh, Rhaenyra's sons kind of makes sense, but they still do a good job of making you, absolutely hate this character right away and i'm just really impressed by the uh these unexpected character dynamics they're bringing to the table on the show you know what i mean yeah um agreed and um the i love amon's uh the 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 actor they chose to play the older version of him just great casting (laughs) i hope i didn't like ruin your train of thought it's just no commented on that i had to like bring that up it's totally fine i'm actually um I actually, uh, I'm really glad the King's finally dead because he was really grossing me out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was sad how he went. And it was a really touching moment when Eamon helped him up on the, um, uh, up, on, up on the throne and when they dropped the crown. And apparently that whole thing was by accident. Like he dropped the crown. No by way. Accident. He dropped the crown by accident. And then Matt Smith just kind of reacted in kind and they left, left the cameras running. That and is insane. <laughs> Keep and it's on, one of the insane. Right. And it's just one of the most touching moments. And you're just like, God, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Not like, only like touching moments, that's like a crazy bit of symbolism. Like that was one of my favorite parts of the episode, because that was just so symbolic of like how this man isn't fit to be ruling over everybody. And it's like physically presented by the crown falling. And now that I know that was originally an accident, it almost seems like it's the like this weird divine intervention thing where it's like we're gonna make like it's like god was looking down at the show and said i'm gonna make this crown fall because this is an amazing bit of symbolism that that you need to include in this episode you know what i mean so (laughs) right um but yeah otherwise it's just it's just the show is amazing and i can't wait to see how we play out these next uh, maybe two episodes or i don't know how many episodes we got left but it's all right um was the uh, I didn't know if you're going to comment more, but when they had the dinner scene and uh, the king kind of talks everybody into in quotes, getting along, you know, and trying he's trying he's really trying to bring his family together. Was the right was the writer in you screaming something's about to go wrong? Because that's how I was watching it. Kinda, I was like, yeah, things are, are working out way too well. I know this is this episode's going to turn to tragedy really soon. And I was just like waiting to see how that was going to happen, you know? Well, not only that, but now that the King's dead, uh, um, oh, yeah. the, the shit's about to hit the fan and I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> yeah. He's the straw that broke the camel's back in the series. So I'm so, so stoked for the next episode. <laughs> this is a slight segue to news. Um, okay. We're not, 
I'm not going to hit news yet, but George Martin did say that um, four seasons should be enough to cover the story of the Targaryens. So if he has his way, we're getting at least four seasons out of the show, which is that's cool. beautiful. Um, that's, I was expecting it to be like two. So I am so excited. to hear Well, that. I'm excited. I'm also excited that, hey, we're going to do four seasons on this. You got eight seasons for the show proper. And we got this Jon Snow thing coming that everyone's curious about. So you see what I'm saying? Like the mm-hmm. just bounce there. Um, so that's cool. So like quick news there. Um, did you watch the She-Hulk finale? I haven't. See, I caught up and then I haven't watched the newest episode, unfortunately. Right. But we're gonna if, have- I have I have seen some spoilers already. If you want to spoil some things, you can. I won't be mad. <laughs> but, I will. Uh, yeah. I will only say that this is the only thing I'm going to say about it. Um, there's, there's a moment at the very end that you're going to, I think your brain is going to crack open and you're going to go, holy crap. Okay. Um, just because I know you and things that you and I have talked about in the past, there's something that's going to happen Hulk related, um, that is going to make your brain crack in half. There is a cameo that's going to just kill you, dude. You're going to be beside yourself when you see it. Um, because it's not going to be, it's cause it's not going to be what you're like, what, cause they're leading up to a cameo to happen and it's not what you think you're going to get. And then you get something equally as cool. Um, the show breaks the fourth wall in a way that no one has ever broken the fourth wall <laughs> in, in industry history, television or movie. <laughs> um, and I will say I had to rewind the show a couple times specifically to look at a moment on the show. Um, oh, nice. Because it's part of the fourth wall break. And I'm like, which thing did they just punch or hit or like knock <laughs> out or like, wait, what did that say right there? And I had to look at it a couple times to see which one. And you'll know exactly which one I'm, what I'm talking about. But well, I don't want to go I'm, any further. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to watch. And if they're bringing in weird fourth wall breaks, I think they're really just slowly ushering in the... Uh, the era of uh, Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. I think that <laughs> I think that's what this they, is foreshadowing. Just kidding. Be, I haven't watched this. This is like this is like that fourth wall break that makes you. It, I was like, did they just break the fourth wall to a point where the Marvel Cinematic Universe no longer makes sense and it's all nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of I was kind of getting that from like your vague. Uh, retelling of that so that's why I kind of did mention um, as much as it was a joke but that's why I did mention Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe because I'm kind of curious if it's along those lines of things but and I was trying to and I'm trying to be as vague as possible yes everybody go watch the She-Hulk finale it's great so Uh, you're actually giving much more glowing reviews of it than I've seen online which is cool and I'm excited to watch it I I am caught up besides that I thought the uh the Daredevil episode was great. I thought the the oh, fight God. scenes in it were just so good. Um, Dude, Daredevil episode, like when I watched it, I was like hallway scene, yeah, like I was all excited because <laughs> of the, the famous Daredevil hallway scene. I'm like, this is great. And then She-Hulk came and knocked all those guys out, and I was like, oh, but everything <laughs> leading up to, it, like, <laughs> you know. And I didn't even catch that as an Easter egg. So good call there. That's awesome. Um, but, yeah. My one worry about the series at this point is, as opposed to you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Hawkeye or WandaVision, like as opposed to any other MCU show, I don't know. Like I'm one episode from the finale and I could not tell you what the overarching plot of this series is. 
And I feel like that is a weakness of the show. And I'm kind, I kind of have a feeling the show is going to end and I still won't be able to tell you that, but I'm kind of okay with that because I've kind of haven't been taking the show as seriously as some of the other ones. And I've found that I've enjoyed it more the less seriously I take it. So I'll just leave that there. That's fair. And I think think there's like two lines of dialogue in the finale that are going to make you go, oh, that's what the show's about. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. um, But that's okay because I see what you're talking about with the overarching thing. However, let's talk about, in my opinion, what is the most important thing that you should have watched this week. And I sure hope you did. Did you watch Werewolf by Night? Oh, yes, I did. I didn't write okay. that down, but yes, yes, I did watch Thank Werewolf you. by Night. <laughs> Holy cow. Thank you so much. Um, this was amazing. This was great. I loved it. Everyone, guys, seriously, everyone listening to this show, it's 55 minutes, and you're going to wish it was so much longer. Um, this was so much fun. This was... It started, and I loved, I immediately loved the black and white, old-timey monster movie look. Yeah. And then as it progressed, I'm like, this is just cool. There needs to be more of this. And I don't ever remember old-school black and white horror stuff being that fun. I I, have a thought about that. I was was thinking about it when they were walking, because when they leave, when they go out, like, they're in that like one like meeting room thing in the mansion and then they walk out that door and they're like in the labyrinth maze whatever yes. it is and they start walking around and the whole thing is someone's got to survive <laughs> i'm like oh man they're gonna hunt each other that's crazy and i'm like has there ever been something like with a cool plot like this like old timey <laughs> type monster movie stuff i'm like i don't think so and then and then I shouldn't be surprised to see Marvel characters on the screen anymore. I really, really shouldn't. And I know, and I knew going in that Man-Thing was in it. That's what's messed up is I knew that too, and I totally forgot. <laughs> well, I didn't, well, I didn't forget. I was just like, Man-Thing looks great. He looked like, it's just, look, Marvel's doing the Lord's work over there. They're doing all this great stuff. They're putting all these great things on screen. They're digging deep and putting characters on screen that you're not expecting. And I shouldn't be surprised anymore, but I was surprised. Man Thing looked fantastic, and I wanted more Man Thing when he was on screen. So, absolutely. So this yeah. this series was awesome. It's um, relating to Man Thing and just being kind of the unexpected. Careful cameo. when you say careful when you say series because I, this is, I believe, a one off, and when that's it, that we're not getting did, more. Did I say series? I, I you I, did. I, okay. My- this special, this event, this whatever it was, it's that's sounds like it, you know? Yeah, Um. I think. Well, I hope they make more of these. I'd love to see more. Just oh, I do too. Marvel, either Halloween specials or maybe they'll bring out some more just Marvel holiday specials. That could be pretty fun if they're handled as well as this. But related to Man-Thing being this unexpected cameo, the whole I guess the way this whole special was handled, it really felt like a miniseries or like a one shot comic book. And it was one of those things where you got the characters. They didn't go in depth about origins. If you didn't know where these characters came from, you just have to kind of glean off the information you're given. Um, It's one of those things where you could probably hunt down a Wikipedia, Wikipedia article about every single character that's shown, but the 
the movie itself does not give you that information. It's just kind of this fast paced adventure. And then man thing shows up and it's kind of one of those things where if you don't know anything about man thing, you just kind of take it for what it is. and Enjoy the special. And I thought that was awesome because it had that really fast paced, like comic book feel to it. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where like how many, origin story movies have you have we watched and when we watch something that's just really fast paced like this that feels like a one shot comic book it was awesome but also relating to the pacing i think i think a lot of the classic universal monster movies and the old classic horror movies everything in that realm i think movies back then in general were paced a lot slower and they really held their punches for a lot of the stuff that happened so Probably things that happened in like the first or second act of this special would be like the big climax at the end of a, you know, one of these classic universal monster movies. And I think it was just just that fast pacing that was incredible about this, because when you watch it, especially at the beginning of the way that things are shot, like certain dialogue scenes and stuff really felt like classic cinema to me. But as it went on, I think they kind of brought in more modern elements. But the biggest thing that was glaring to me is just the pacing of this is so quick that it's just not like I can get into it so much. And it is one of those things. It's only like an hour watch, but it really leaves you wanting more. And it's just like, I've wanted to have like a superhero esque like universal monsters universe. And I feel like this is the closest thing I've seen to like, what I would want about that. And like this, this special was like, it almost felt like somebody took like, what are all the things you would want out of a classic influenced monster movie? And then they just delivered on it. Like you said, you're dealing with all of these sort of monster slayers fighting each other to the death in this uh, crazy maze that they're in. Like on paper, this is just like, was this movie made specifically for me? Like, this is awesome. You know, I know I mean? um, the, What's interesting, all right, What I like what you said about how if you didn't know, it doesn't matter. Like, in terms of the origin story stuff, like, like I didn't know who who every single character was. And if I didn't know who Man-Thing was, it honestly didn't matter. Like, I know who Man-Thing was, but because I was like, ooh, sweet, Man-Thing. But at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't matter that I didn't know. He was like, he was just the monster in the thing. And exactly. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. And you just kind of rolled, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, Yeah, I feel like I probably have more thoughts, but this was just great. I think this is like this is one of those things that you can revisit, too. Like, it's one of those things if you have some friends over for like a Halloween movie marathon, you could totally throw this in the mix because it's a short watch. It's something like. You know, you just got done watching The Shining and you kind of just want something lighthearted and quicker to watch. Throw on uh, Werewolf or uh, Werewolf. Werewolf by Night. Werewolf by Night. I was going to say Werewolf After Midnight because I was thinking London After Midnight. So, yes, throw on Werewolf by Night. It'll be great. Uh, The other thing I wanted to shout out was uh, I was really surprised. I didn't realize that Michael Giacchino was going to be doing the music for this uh, special. And I also was surprised that he directed it. Um, I was just going to say that. So, oh, awesome! And like he's somebody who I know his music from uh, from the series Lost, and I feel like the Lost had so many iconic and just great musical themes throughout the whole thing. But he also, otherwise, I know him from. 
yeah and then otherwise i know his music from uh uh rogue one uh he also did he also did all three of the new spider-man movies yeah okay (laughs) so like i guess i was you know like michael gaiacchino has like he's been popping up like his name's been hitting big time in random places so um yeah Um, (laughs) i will say that lost and star wars the music of those sticks out for me more than the majority of the mcu um even though you know that avengers theme is amazing and iconic but a lot of the mcu films like the score kind of blends into the background for me so maybe that's why i just didn't realize he did those scores but i was just gonna just gonna say as like somebody attacking this project with both the music and the visuals at the same time i just think he did such an amazing job um and i don't know if you had more to comment related to that you know what i mean (laughs) Yeah, no, not really. It was more of a like when I saw the director, I was like, oh, Michael Gaiacchino, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seriously, like it's such a good it's such a good piece of. Thing like just go watch this. It's I think I want to watch it again. I just haven't had a chance to. So absolutely. But no, it was just a lot of fun. And I was expecting it to be more violent. I was expecting it to be more bloody because of the way the trailer made it look. Um, But it was just I, a great. Yeah. I think it was a good level of there was a good level of gore where it was still like that PG-13 sort of thing. Like you could probably show to your kid if your kid's not super young, but it, it still had the gore there. Like it still had a little bit of like a gore level to remind you, like, yes, this is a horror film. So I actually appreciated that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to phrase it like that. Uh, um, like how they held back on like how gory they could make it. Like they had a tasteful amount in there. So I thought that was pretty sure. good. Um, all right. So let's jump into the news because we got a bunch of stuff to cover too. Nice. We talked way longer than I expected to, but that's all right. <laughs> um, so first off, um, we are, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons for a minute. Um, all right. that, that seems <laughs> like a hot, like since Stranger Things, that seems like a hot topic in general. Um, I'm a fan. I know you're a fan. Like, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, New York Comic Con happened and Critical Role. Um, the cast went to New York Comic Con and did their panel and discussed, like, their show and everything. Um, and they also had to talk about uh, The Legend of Vox Machina for Amazon. Um, nice. And they showed a trailer for Legend of Vox Machina Season 2. Um, and then they did, like, a cool recap video. Um, it looks great. Season two will start in January of 2023, so we are not far away. I expected it was going to be a little bit longer of a wait, but we are not far away from it. That's while, while they were announcing it, they also said that what they're tackling, they knew they couldn't put – they're like, we, we, one of the biggest struggles was trying to fit it into one season, so they're greenlit for season three nice <laughs> yeah i know that's right awesome. just like and you're just like yes that's amazing um because he says that they said that the story they're telling because season one covered the briarwoods the big briarwood arc mm-hmm. and they and the story they're going on to next um they knew that they were gonna need more than one season so they're automatically greenlit for a season three and that's great um just keep bringing it because i think it's a great show oh okay. yeah that's that's an awesome treat for early next year so uh, other but yeah the other thing about Dungeons and Dragons, um, 2024 will the year 2024 will mark the 50th anniversary of the game Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Uh, and so if you are if you are a Dungeons and Dragons player or DM or whatever, 
Um, there are going to be new additions, and I don't know if this is, it's difficult to explain. They're going to release new versions of the Player's Handbook, the Monster Manual, and the Dungeon Master Guide. Those books, these, this is not a, because we're on 5th edition right now. They keep telling us this is not a 6th edition, and it's not a 5.0. They're basically just calling it Dungeons & Dragons. Um, all of the current books, the fifth edition books are backwards compatible and are built. They're, they're making this new rule set that's coming out specifically designed to work with the old stuff. So, um, to create like one cohesive edition, if you will. Um, so that comes out cool. in 2024. That comes out in 2024. If you want to take a look, they're releasing on D&D Beyond, they're releasing all this playtesting materials. So you can actually see some playtesting stuff that they're releasing because they want, and they and they have surveys up so you can check out the materials they're releasing, go play with your friends, come back and tell us what you think. And it's free for everyone to take a look. Um, so if you're interested, take a look at what they got. As a DM myself, there's some stuff in there that I think is really, really cool. And there's stuff that I think that, Again, I keep reminding myself this is a play test and not finished product because there's some stuff that should not be in there, in my personal opinion. Um, <laughs> okay, other Dungeons, and Dragons news. <laughs> other Dungeons and Dragons news because it's a fifth edition. I don't want to go too big into re details because the concerns, there are some rules that they put in there that give the players some metagame knowledge that I think creates an uh, unbalance at the table when you're playing that game. Um and that's what I mean by that. And it's kind of like you got to know the game really well to understand to spot those. And that's why I was like, I took the survey pretty seriously when I did the first set. And now we're on the second set of play testing. So I'm going to, again, take it seriously, read through, do what I can. And there we go. Um, and other D&D news, because of the 50th anniversary, there's going to be a Dungeons and Dragons documentary that's going to be released in 2024. It is going to be co-directed by Joe Manganello and Kyle Newman. Nice. Uh, Kyle Newman, as you know, is the director of Fanboys. He's a big Dungeons and Dragons guy. Joe Manganiello from Magic Mike and True Blood. Um, he is a massive Dungeons and Dragons guy and works with Wizards of the Coast on a lot of projects. He will be co-directing with Kyle Newman to release this documentary. I'm excited to hear about that. Awesome. Um, Absolutely. And then the other piece of Dungeons and Dragons news, because uh, it's the 50th anniversary, is Dungeons and Dragons. Wizards of the Coast, uh, Hasbro, are teaming up with LEGO to release some Dungeons & Dragons LEGO sets in 2024. Oh, um, <laughs> this is and, so good. Go on. But this and, is my brain, and my brain went, oh my god, it's happening. Everyone calm down. Um, the LEGO sets are going to be released in 2024. They are looking for community-submitted uh, projects. So they're probably doing their own, but they're looking to see if anyone's going to, like, submit because sometimes they have those LEGO's idea pages and people submit yeah. their stuff and then it becomes sets. So those are going to be – I don't know how many are going to be accepted, but my brain was, okay, cool. They're probably going to be a Red Dragon set. Maybe they'll be, like, a cool set with a little Drist minifig that I can get, which will be awesome. But then my brain went, oh, man, they have – the Lego, you know, like the Lego helmets, the Darth Vader, or the Iron Man or whatever. Yeah. Someone is going to release. They're go they're going to do it. I guarantee like it's got to be. I don't want to guarantee because I don't want to put words in their mouth, but they have to make a Lego D20 for me to build and put on my shelf. Oh, that's awesome. OK, God, like they don't even like not the whole dice set. Just do a Lego D20 just so I can build it and put it on my shelf. That's just <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's 
Yeah, that's a beautiful thought. That's an awesome, that's like just an awesome shelf piece idea. My mind was going to, I really want a Lego beholder. Like, give me a Lego beholder. That sounds so freaking cool, you know? I didn't even think about the gold. Oh, man. (laughs) The other thing I was thinking is that... A displacer beast, maybe a gelatinous cube. Come on. I'll take it a step further. I want them to start releasing Lego boards, like the flat landscape pieces, with a grid on it. So you don't need to get minifigs anymore. You can make your Dungeons & Dragons characters out of Legos and play out your games on Legos. So then as a DM, you can build all these, like, Lego dungeons and, like, forests and stuff for your characters to go through. Like, it's such a cool... There's so much, and I don't even know if they're thinking about the potential that this crossover has, but it's such <laughs> a good crossover that I hope they're thinking about this from a gameplay aspect, because that's just amazing to I think hope, about, you know? I know some of my players listen to the show. Yeah. I hope they're all listening to us talk about this now, knowing that I'm thinking very deeply about this idea. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, that's it for the Dungeons and Dragons news. I was just really excited about the documentary and the Lego thing. I was like, this is awesome. Well, so. well, that that story just has my mind racing. Like, I feel like we could go on and do a whole episode about all the <laughs> possibilities here, because I'm thinking about, like, the people who sell custom Lego figs at conventions. And there's just so many different directions to go with this. But uh, I know. And they we don't want to spend they, the whole show talking about and they it. Hasn't, so. And Lego hasn't had, like, castle Legos in a really long time. And this is totally the resurgence to bring that stuff back, you know? So, yeah, Yeah, that's true. Outside of like Harry Potter, they haven't had like a lot of medieval esque Legos lately. So yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's talk other news. Uh, Let's talk DC real quick. Couple DC stories. First off, Ezra Miller is returning for flash reshoots. Um, Everyone's assuming that is because they're going to be sticking with Ezra Miller as the flash. Um, I don't want to, I'm, all movies go through reshoots, right? Yeah. They, they're going to put this movie out. They brought them on. They're going to do the reshoots because this is about flashpoint. And this is because of multiversal stuff. There's always the chance that they're going to steer towards another flash and like flash dies in this. Who knows? You know what I mean? We don't know what's (laughs) happening. Um, but I'll say facetiously, one can only hope. No, I'm just, we just, we just don't know. It's just so when people see that Ezra Miller is returning, um, all movies go through reshoots, so take it for a grain of salt right now. Um, but it's good to know they're trying to get this moving. Well, I what I what I like about this story is this is the first time I've heard Ezra Miller's name oh, in okay. a while, and it hasn't been some horrible, debaucherous, like just horrible thing that he's done. It's just like he's returning for uh, <laughs> he's returning for reshoots. So I'm yeah. hoping that the uh, Ezra Miller's reign of terror if you will, is over and uh, we can move past (laughs) that, hopefully, because, geez, just please let it be over. (laughs) I know, right? Um, All right. Another DC news. Alan Farrell's Penguin series. Right, Uh, right. According to early reports of the script, it starts about a week after the events of the Batman, the movie, um, which is kind of cool. So it starts about a week after the film. Gotham is still somewhat underwater, which I thought was kind of, <laughs> cool. which I thought was kind of cool because I was like, what do you mean it's underwater? Oh yeah. The river thing. Like when they flood yeah. it, 
when they blew the like the gates on the river and it flooded. Um, the first uh, script opens with um, and he says, I read the first script for the first episode and it opens with my feet splashing through the water in Falcone's office. And I'm Beautiful. like, I love it. Right. I know that's I'm just like, oh, my God, that's awesome. So it's about a week later. Penguin's doing his thing um, again. I still want I, I hope like, guys, it's a bat. like when are we getting the Batman show? But this has me excited just because of the you know connection. It makes me want to watch the Batman again because I've only seen it the one time. So right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been on in the background a couple times for me since it's been on HBO Max. But I've really only given it the one like really thorough like attention set on watch through but i do love the idea of like the flooded gotham city aesthetic because i think it's a really subtle way to bring in like some of that comic booky penguin imagery in a kind of a kind of a realistic way that can be really believable so i think that's going to be i think there's going to be just some cool uh shots from the series in that aspect you know yeah um that's it for dc let's talk about marvel um, rumor, Marvel Studios and Sony have reportedly eyeing July 12th, 2024 release date for Spider-Man 4. Okay. Um, I say rumor with big quotes because we don't know much more than that. Um, we have not heard anything about Tom Holland. We have not heard, like, there's a lot of stuff we haven't heard and they're giving us a release date already. I mean, so, that's, that's just so far away, so. I know, but still <laughs> take that with a grain of salt because of, Okay. And yeah. then big uh, Avengers, Secret Wars, Deadpool 3 and Fantastic Four have been delayed before everyone panics. If you look at the de- release dates, Deadpool's been delayed one month. Fantastic Four has been delayed two months. Like, <laughs> it's not like the movies are in trouble. I bet you there's a scheduling change and they want to have things flushed out because at Comic-Con, they gave us the layout, right? Yeah. OK, so. Right now, because things are being shuffled around with the slight delays, Phase 5 schedule goes Ant-Man, Quantumania. These are just the movies. I don't have the shows because the shows are going to, like, they're going to drop when they drop, and there's so many of them coming. So this is just the movies for Phase 5. Ant-Man, Quantumania, Guardians 3, The Marvels, Captain America 4, Thunderbolts, Blade. Okay. Okay, that's Phase 5. Because Thunderbolts originally ended Phase 5, now Blade ends Phase 5. Okay, Phase 6. Phase 6. Originally, at Comic-Con, Fantastic Four started Phase 6. Now, Deadpool starts Phase 6, then Fantastic Four, then Avengers Secret Wars, and then an untitled Marvel movie, and then, sorry, Kang Dynasty, untitled Marvel movie, and then Secret Wars. Um so that's all we know for phase six right now. And that phase six is going to get flushed out as we learn more and we get closer. But yeah. So if, if secret, if, if nothing changes and they go out on secret wars, that's just going to be a really awesome event movie. I feel, but as far as the de- delays go, I feel like we really need to look back on the last two years. And when a movie's delayed a couple months. We need to be glad about that. Like, how long did we wait for Top Gun Maverick to come out? You know, like know. after COVID happened, there was so many crazy, crazy delays that, you know, if something's delayed a month or two, I I'm fine with it. I'm not going to take it for granted. Like we need to focus on the positives. Right. We're kind of back to a normal state of life and it's really, really exciting, you know, so I think 
I think just the nerd community needs to focus on the positives of uh, everything yeah. going on. Right yeah. Now. And I don't think anyone's like going, oh, crap, Deadpool got delayed. I, <laughs> yeah. I just like people get weird on the Internet. So just look, Deadpool got delayed a month. <laughs> Not that big of a deal. And that's um, the yeah. understatement of the year award right there. So. All right. Um, two trailers came out this week. Um, one I told you to watch. The other one I forgot to tell you to watch. So if you didn't Fair watch enough. it, it's okay. The one I forgot to tell you about watch was the Blockbuster trailer dropped. Oh, man. No, I haven't watched it, but now I'm yeah. really excited. So Blockbuster is going to be the Netflix comedy about the show Blockbuster. It drops on November 3rd. The trailer looks funny and great. That's what you ex- – and honestly, when you watch the trailer, you're going to go, that's exactly what I expected the show to be. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> okay, so you think so, it looks good overall? Like, you're excited? I think, okay, I think awesome. it looks good. I think um, – I just think, like, it's exactly what I expected it to be, to be completely honest. It looks – and honestly, it looks like it's got, like, a little bit of a heartwarming story, but it almost looks like it has, like, that waiting style – to the comics nice. writing um, about the the blockbuster retail business. <laughs> so. That's great because I have a couple friends who did work at Blockbuster and they have a couple of those waiting style stories about the sure. store in general. But I, th- my other question is, could you tell what time period it was set in? Um, it looks like, was like it it's modern day. Like it, it looks like it's modern day because it's. I think it's meant to be the story of the last blockbuster and them holding out. Because oh, okay. Because the streaming platforms are taking over and all that stuff. So I, I was expecting it like I was half expecting it to be set in the 90s or something like that. But uh, no, right. that sounds interesting. Um, and then. Did you watch the oh, man, I guess three trailers. You watched the Mario trailer, I assume. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did watch Mario. It um, looks really good. Right. Um, like <laughs> it surprisingly good. <laughs> it looks surprisingly good. I'm just like, let's go see this movie. Um, the rage online about Chris Pratt's voice, you so barely hear it. I'm not 100% sure you even got a good taste of what Chris Pratt as Mario sounds like. But it, to it, me, to me, it sounds like it's you can tell it's Chris Pratt, but it sounds like he has like a subtle like Italian slash like New York Italian accent. Right. And it's really subtle. But I honestly think that's more tasteful than having like the old school like really exaggerated like mario 64 <laughs> sort of like well, high-pitched italian no. accent so i'm actually really cool with it but i'm glad you mentioned the new york style italian accent because yeah. these are plumbers from new york exactly yeah which would make sense if that's the accent so when they make the mario sound the way he does in the game i always think to myself that's not how mario should sound however the Chris Pratt Mario voice has gotten a bunch of voice actors in the voice actor community that are not the mainstream movie celebrities. Yeah. To go, it's it's we're starting to get into that uproar of like, why are we not included in these things? Why are we not getting these massive roles? Why are we not like, no, the guy who voices Mario for the game should be the voicing this. Like, they're starting to speak up, and I think it's cool because. The only reason Chris Rock voices this character is because you're trying to sell the movie by Chris Rock's name. The only reason this guy voices this yeah. character is, you know, like, you know, Mike Myers is different because he, like, because of his impression things, you know, when you're talking to Shrek, that's a little different because I think he kind of helped really build that movie. But when you have actors like Tara Strong saying, hold on a second, you know, like, that's the, that's the thing. So um, it's kind of been interesting to see that. But the movie looks 
really good and i yeah. will definitely be going and i when i showed my kid the trailer i'm just like so we're going right and he looks at me he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's that whole the whole like voice actor debate is a really interesting discussion and i can see both sides of it and i think it really comes down to like movie studios do pick big name actors for movies because it's really like I just think it does help sell tickets and it's kind of unfortunate because there are a lot of like uh, not as there. there's all these like voice actors who are really good who should be getting these roles, but they always give these roles to like these bigger actors. And that's a huge debate. Um, I just I think I'm like more I'm way more on board with uh, Chris Pratt's uh, voice in this movie than I thought I was going to be. So that's just really my takeaway. And I'm kind of surprised about that. But it's also like if you remember the original Super Mario Brothers movies or the original Super Mario Mo's uh, Super Mario's brother movie, a lot of people have a lot of complaints about that film. I've never heard one person complain about Bob Hoskins voice in that movie. <laughs> so I think right. that's just something to think about. So, I mean, I think, again, going back to what I was saying about those movie delays, we have to look at the bright side. And this Mario movie looks like maybe you don't give the trailer a 10 out of 10, but maybe it's only an eight out of 10 because you'd rather see a different voice actor in that role you're still getting a pretty awesome looking Mario adaptation. And that's way more than we, any of us could have expected. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So now we got to talk about the Wednesday trailer. Yes. Okay. Um, what do you think of the Wednesday trailer? Now we got a full story trailer for the Wednesday series on Netflix, uh, which is the Tim Burton Adams family series. So what do you, what's your take? When I saw the first trailer, I thought it looked like a spooky version of Riverdale, which I was all on board for. And guess I what? Watched... still looks like a spooky version of Riverdale. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I watched this trailer. It still looked like that. But I was reminded of two things. One, the budget is way is obviously way bigger than I expected, which is right. awesome. Two, I remembered that this is Tim Burton and that's why the budget is so big. And right. so this is one of those things where I still think it looks awesome. Like everything looks really good. I love, especially, I don't know the actress's name, but the girl who's playing Wednesday Adams. Oh, she's, some of her, she's got it. Yeah. Some of her lines, like just the, how her lines are written and how she delivers them is just spot on, like perfect. Like it looks like it's going to be so hilarious and so much fun, but it's also just like, I'm just hoping this is going to be a good Tim Burton thing because Tim Burton has a handful of movies that are amazing and a handful of movies that are just okay or kind of bad. And I'm hoping this is good Tim Burton. That's all. That's really my takeaway. With Agreed. This, so, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and then the other thing, and I agree with every single thing you said, and I was going to say all that too. Okay. Uh, yeah. I will say that now I can see Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia. Oh, nice. Uh, That's awesome. That was my that was my hang up when we started the casting. I was like, what? I don't get it. And now, like, I got to hear her deliver a line of dialogue. I think it was like two lines of dialogue. And I was like, OK, I'll buy it. I'm with you. Um, <laughs> so I I do have one bit of I don't know how like I don't want to spend too much time on this, uh, but I'm I do have... not I am not a fan of Fred Armisen as Fester and it has nothing to do with Fred yeah. being Fester. It has to do with the voice that he has. I'm I'm on the fence with that. 
like I like everything else I'm seeing and I'm not completely sold on him playing Fester, but I just want to like it enough that I'm giving yeah. that a pass for now, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, uh, my, my one nerdy bit of speculation, which I don't want to spend a long time on, but at Nevermore Academy, when they're showing the school that Wednesday is going to be going to, there's two kids that you see in the trailer that are kind of like, they look like normal kids, but they have no face, like no nice eyes, no nose, like no features. It's just kind of like a smooth face. And when I saw those kids, I thought that's probably what cousin it looks like under the hair. <laughs> it's like those kids are totally cousin it's but their hair just hasn't grown out to cover their whole body. And I could that's, be wrong, but that's just my original thought when I saw that. <laughs> that's an interesting thought. Well, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. That's absolutely. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, all right. I got one more news story and then we can talk our top five list. Um, this had me excited because of one part of the news. Um, five nights of Freddy's is getting a movie. Um, so if you know the video game, five nights at Freddy's, there's a movie adaptation coming. Uh, it starts pre-production next year. It is going to be produced by Blumhouse. So great because of Blumhouse track record. This could be really, really cool. This is what made me the, ex this is what got me excited about this is they are partnering with Jim Henson's creature shop for this movie. And that That's just beautiful. gets me. Oh, my God, that just has me so excited to see what's going to come out of this. <laughs> um, and that's probably Blumhouse reaching out to Jim Henson's team going, hey, you want to make some horror movies with us? Um, yeah. So this just it just sounds cool. It had me excited. That's why I saved it for the end. I was like, this is kind of cool. So um, I think that's really cool. It's um, it kind of sucks because there was that Nicolas Cage movie, Will uh, Willie's Wonderland, which was almost an unofficial Five Nights at Freddy's movie already. Oh. <laughs> but uh, that movie is actually really awesome. If people have the the chance to check it out and they're in the mood for something really weird, definitely watch Willie's Wonderland. I thought it was really cool. But uh, the Blumhouse news and the Jim Henson's news is really good because Blumhouse has been like the top name in horror for like so many years now, but you also have to remember they've done movies like uh upgrade, for example, which is more your like PG 13 rated, like uh action movie sort of thing. So I think they, they definitely can pull this off. And like the fact that Jim Henson's uh creature shop is in on this, like they're going to be delivering probably the best like kids focused horror movie like that we've gotten in a while. So I have high hopes for this one. I could be wrong, but I'm excited yeah. about this. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just had me excited because of the Jim Henson part, but absolutely. Yeah. We'll see when we get there. Um, all right. If you have never listened to the show before, this is where we kind of end our watching and reading and news part. And we're going to give you a top five list because we do a different top five list every single week. Um, so, Peter, I think it's list time, right? Absolutely. Cool. Well, why don't we talk <laughs> about the list? But before we do that, we have to roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right. Well, Peter, this was your list. <laughs> so why don't you explain it? And when you explain it, I'm really concerned that I did it backwards. <laughs> Ooh, but okay. I'm I so, literally like I was literally like prepping the show, and I'm like, oh man, did I do the list backwards? It's too late. I hope I didn't. <laughs> we'll find out 
<laughs> we've had a couple lists where we've approached everything oppositely, but uh, yeah, this will. And if I did, now, I didn't mean to. So now you're now you've got me really intrigued. But even if you did it backwards, it's probably going to make good for a good podcast episode. So that's okay. all we can hope for. So uh, this week we're doing our top five movies that are based on TV shows. Ah, so okay. yes, so it's TV shows became that became movies. Exactly. And I, I did it um, right. Okay. <laughs> and I did that because I was really thinking about uh series like Wednesday coming out as well as uh the Munsters movie that uh recently came out on Netflix. Yeah. I still haven't finished that. From what I've seen, I've liked it. Um even though people have complained about it, to me it just feels very it feels a lot like the Munsters sitcom from back in the day, and I feel like okay. that's why people don't like it. So that's an interesting discussion as sure. well, because people were expecting something more. But uh, we can get into that at a different time. But uh, yeah, no, I just thought this would be a fun list to go through. And I think this is one where when it comes to these kinds of movies, you would think it's actually a pretty limited pool to pull from. But it's actually there's actually a lot of different ways you can go at this because there's a lot more just movies that were based on um on tv shows than you thought but then there's also movies that are direct sequels to tv shows that have the same actors from them and then there's like animated versions and there's tons of different directions you can go on go to with this so i thought this was just a fun uh i thought this was a fun list that had some broad potential so yeah there you go i had a lot of fun researching this um and what I found was, is there's so many, I think the yes. vast majority of TV shows that were eventually turned into movies are animated. Um, Interesting. I, I think the vast majority is that because I was like, oh, crap, I didn't realize I got a show, the movie. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's an animated <laughs> movie. Um, so I found that interesting when I was going through this. However, what I am going to do is this is um my list, I stayed to live action. Okay. Um, I, yes, because I could have gone, oh, yeah, because Batman the Animated Series had a movie. There you go. Boom. But I felt like the Batman Animated Series movie was just another extension of the show. Same thing with, yeah. like, Simpsons movie or the Batman Beyond movie or, you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like they were extensions so much as opposed yeah. to, like, a film adaptation. Um, and, I that's agree why, with that. and that is why I stayed with um, live action. So. I I have a really similar approach. One of my picks is questionable in that regard. But, um, yeah, I have a pretty similar formatted list. Um, and when it comes to, like, Batman and some of these comic book characters, the one thing I tried to stay away from is picking movies based on tv shows that were based on something else so if the character's first appearance was in a comic book i actually tried to stay away from those picks because i was trying to look look for things that was specifically were tv shows first and foremost if that makes sense Fair enough. well in that case one of mine is a bit of a cheat but that's that's, that's fine <laughs> um okay so if this is the first time you're listening to this show, um, the reason we call it the Top 5 Report is because we end every show with a Top 5 list. Um, and uh, so it's five picks. There's no random order unless we're discussing a year. So like if we were saying movies from 1994, um, that's what we'd be referring to. But you know, it would be actually be a ranked list. But we don't rank these. It's just kind of free flow. We do allow for two honorable mentions. 
So it's basically like they just didn't make the list or they were worth talk, were worth mentioning, but I can't put them as a pick because I like these other things better. So I have, Peter, two honorable mentions this week. So I do as well. So <laughs> um, you get to go first. Oh, I get to go first, don't I? Because it's your pick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so my first pick of the night is The Muppet Show. Oh, perfect. Um, it's it was Jim Henson created the Muppets. We have the Muppet Show ran, and then they did the Muppet movie. Which the reason this honorable mention is because it kind of is an extension of the show. Um, and then they followed in the sequels and stuff. But I really feel like it was an extension of the show. That's why I kind of made it as a honorable mention. So yeah, it's a good call, and I did try to stay away from those sort of show extensions as well. So I definitely see where you're coming. But the Muppets are awesome. This. Um, this definitely made my short list. It was really hard because I was trying to go for specific movies. So it was something that would be really hard to narrow down. Like what's the one Muppets film that you pick, but uh, yeah, definitely good call. Yeah. All right. Uh, what is your first honorable mention? Then? So my first honorable mention is very vague, but I went with the X-Files and specifically the X-Files film that came out in 1998. And the yeah, reason this one. is Yes, yes, the good one. And this, <laughs> the reason that this is an honorable mention is because I remember renting this movie as a kid and sitting down with my family and watching it and just being enthralled. And I loved the X-Files. Like, I was never a religious sort of, like, watch every episode sort of fan. But as a kid, I watched a lot of the X-Files. And I always thought it was, like, one of the coolest shows ever. And every episode felt so epic. And that was this movie it was just enthralling and epic. And I remember watching it and I was only in like fourth grade or something, but I remember thinking this is the most suspenseful thing I've ever seen in my life. That was literally what I was thinking. Like I've never been in this much suspense in my entire life, but I haven't watched the movie since then. And I can't tell you a lot about what happened in the film. And that's why it's an honorable mention. And I kind of want to revisit it, but I kind of like that. I remember it, that it as this just almighty, like cathartic, just amazing experience as a kid. And I don't know if I want to go revisit it. Cause I don't know if I would ruin that memory sort of thing. So that's the X-Files. I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on this movie, Drew, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, this is the good one. This <laughs> I say that because there's two X-Files movies and this one felt like the show or the other one just felt like an FBI story. It didn't feel like yep. X-Files. It did, it, the second one just didn't feel like X-Files. Too, too um, much conspiracy, not enough aliens, pretty yeah. much. Like. Um, this one does feel like an extension of the show as opposed to a, um adaptation of a show. Um, so... Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a good movie. I just haven't watched it in a while. So. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> my second <laughs> my second honorable mention is 21 Jump Street. Nice. Uh, whether it's this one or 22 Jump Street. These movies are hysterical. Like. I know the sh I know the show well enough to under to get what they were doing. But I'm not familiar enough with the show to really make the get what they were doing matter in that sense. So I just enjoyed the movie for what it was. I like the fact that Johnny Depp had his cameo in the end um, because of the show. But these movies are just so funny. Um, and I just they were just well put together. So, yeah, 20, 21 Jump Street. Yeah, just just great comedy films. I think uh, I wasn't really 
too familiar with the show at all, but I thought these films were, uh, they're just really great. And it's one of those things that you don't expect uh, Channing Tatum to be that hilarious in a movie. And I think he pulled that off really well. So uh, yeah, great call. Oh, I think Channing Tatum's funny in almost everything. Like he, every comedy he does, I think he's funny. In, so. Yeah. But I, I guess, I guess when that movie came out, I hadn't really seen him in any comedies. Like I kind of just knew him as like, the magic Mike guy. I like. I actually don't think I've seen a lot of Channing Tatum movies in general when I, when I think about it. So, right. but, uh, um, okay. Uh, moving on to my next pick. Um, I actually, what, what's that? Your second honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually went with uh, Batman return of the caped crusaders. And like I said before, I tried to stay away from these comic book superheroes that were first and foremost, comic book characters but the reason i picked this is because this is the 2016 animated follow-up to the batman 66 tv series and it's this was like the one case where i was going to break that rule where it's like this is specifically made to be the continuation of the tv series and it's an animated version of that but it's still shot in the same style and they brought back adam west and I'm pretty sure they brought back Burt Ward to do Robin for this yeah. uh, this movie. But this was just really cool. Like, it's a really cool thing that, I mean, Warner Brothers animation, all the stuff they do with DC is amazing. But this is one of those really cool Easter egg level movies that they were able to put out that we never would have gotten in live action. But we got an animated version of it. And it was great. And it was one of those things where you watch through the film and it's like an hour and a half to two hours long. And you kind of feel like you're just watching three or four consecutive episodes of the Batman 66 series. But that's kind of what's awesome about it. It is it just fit that tone and that feeling so well while also being presented in that just really sleek new dc animated style if that makes sense so i i love this movie uh drew i'm sure you have thoughts on this one but uh yeah that's my next pick did you okay is this the first one this was the first one that came out okay. yeah i i never watched the i think it was batman versus two-face i want to say is the second yeah, one they did the they did two of them and i couldn't remember if this was the first one or if this one's the first one or not i have both yeah. i just remember the title on the other one um these are great. Um, I think it's funny that this is your first honorable mention. Um, and I'm only jumping ahead because my first actual pick of the night is a little bit of a cheat. And that's Batman 66. Um, oh, oh, right, right. That's yeah. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> because there was a Batman 66 movie. Um, and what's interesting about it was it was supposed to be now technically Batman with Michael Keaton would be the adaptation, right? But ultimately, it's, yeah. adap it's adapting the comic book. And Batman 66, because of the comic book got popularity, they did the show, but then they ended up doing a movie. The reason this one's a bit of a cheat is, first off, the movie's fantastic. It's great. It carries it. It's what you wanted at the time. But this... Um, this was a movie that was supposed to come before the show. If you watch, yeah. if you watch the movie, the way the movie opens and sets up, it was supposed to set up everything. So when you start watching the show, you know, everything going in, you have all your characters introduced, you have all your villains introduced, you know, you have all the tech and all that stuff. 
locked in and then the show just kind of does its thing. But because of scheduling conflicts, they did the entire first season of the show and then filmed the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, what scheduling conflicts? Because you did an entire first season of a show. <laughs> um, but no, this it's just fantastic. Um, and I and it's I've actually been Werewolf by Night made me want to go and look at some old school like yeah. movie properties and stuff. And it and just looking at like old things that I have on my shelf. I was like, you know, it might be time for an Adam West rewatch. And I have the big Blu-ray set that they released a while back because they released a limited number, a limited run of this big Blu-ray collector set. And I I grabbed it. I just haven't I haven't watched through all of it. And maybe it's time to do that. I don't know. Yeah, but. good call. It's you've said so much about this show and movie that I don't even know how to follow it up. But I think the Batman 66 movie is amazing. Um, it's obviously I think it's just called like Batman the movie or something like that. Uh, I just throw the 66 number in there just to, uh, you know, quantify where it sits in the timeline. But this movie's great. I think that a lot of the more memorable Batman, uh, the mo like Adam West Batman moments and lines, a lot of the more memorable ones, I think, do come out of this movie. But I think it's just one of those things that people rewatch this movie a lot. I think when you want a taste of the sixties Batman series and you don't want to actually go start rewatching the actual series, this is a great sort of like hour and a half watch to just get into that mindset. But it does have great moments. Like uh, I'm pretty sure the uh, Sparrow with a machine gun riddle is in this movie, which is just great. Yeah, and uh <laughs> I might be wrong, but I want to say the uh, line about, you know, some days you just can't figure out how to get rid of a bomb. Is that moment from this movie as well? It is. It sure is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those are two of, in my opinion, two of the quintessential 66 Batman moments right there. So yeah. there you go. All right. What's your first actual pick of the night? Yeah. So my we are going action. longer. Than, we are going longer than usual. But. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all right. Man. I was going to go with something else, but I'm going to switch my order since we're in kind of a retro vibe. Um, my first actual pick I'm going to go with is uh, the Scooby-Doo movie from 2002. And this is one of those movies the that Prince Jr. one. Yes, the Freddie Prince Jr. one. And this is one of those movies that when it came out, I was at the point where, like, I grew up and I watched Scooby-Doo every day before school and I loved it. And I especially loved just the sort of. You know, it's this really old animated series, but it has that creepiness factor. Like, there's so much cool horror imagery in the show and stuff. But at this point, I like I know every plot of every single episode of Scooby-Doo is exactly the same, but I still love it. <laughs> but this is one of those things where this movie came out and I was really at the point where I was too old for it. I just had no interest in this movie. But uh, this is a movie that my wife is really into, and she's kind of forced me to watch a couple times. And I've really grown this appreciation for the endearing qualities of this film. And this is a movie that is, if you watch it, it's really weird. And the reason I say that is because, and I don't know if this is just a rumor, but from what I hear is that the studio originally wanted this to be a raunchy R-rated teen comedy. And when you look at the <laughs> when you look at the casting and how the movie shot and even some of the scenes that made the final cut, you can totally see that. 
Like there are some like very, very suggestive aspects to this movie. And I think it's one of those things where they were going in this sort of raunchy teen comedy direction. And then the studio said like, no, we can't do this. We're going to make a serious like kids version of Scooby-Doo. And they kind of hackneyed together what they could left of the script and gave us this kids movie. But when you watch it, there are some really suggestive parts. There's parts where, you know, you have Velma showing cleavage and you have different characters making subtle stoner jokes. And it's one of those weird bits of Hollywood history that I feel like it's this weird, like sort of what is the movie we could have gotten out of this? You know what I mean? And so that's why that's what makes me so interested in this is like, I do actually really think the movie's a really fun film to watch just from a movie standpoint, but there's also such a cool potential behind the scenes aspect to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was never a fan of this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I really was. It is. is, Well, this is one of this. It's also, this is one of those ones where I know the movie's horrible, but I, have watched it enough to notice the endearing qualities that also make it awesome. Even though I fully recognize it's a bad movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So my next one of the night is get smart. Oh, um, good call. Get smart. It's basically like a comedy version of James <laughs> Bond and on TV. Um, it was on Nick at night when I was a kid and that's where I fell in love with it. It was just a really great, funny show. Maxwell smart agent 99, um, chaos versus control. Those were the two, uh, um, competing spy networks, control and chaos, which is just really funny. Cause it's just it's black and white. It's a name. There you go. Um, but they did the movie with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway, um, Anne Hathaway spot on casting for, Agent 99. Steve Carell, I think he was a good choice, but I I don't know if the movie captured the show the way I was hoping it was going to, but ultimately I thought it was a really good adaptation of the source material. Um, but yeah, that's really all I got to say about it. It's a really fun movie. Um, it just, it kind of made me wish instead of doing the movie, they found a way to do the show again. But, <laughs> right on. <laughs> Like not a up- bad complaint. Like, it's almost like an like updated, just, ver- like an updated version of the show, but yeah, not a bad complaint. It's almost like saying you just want more of what you got, but um, yeah, this is, this is a show I have very fond memories for. I don't think I've seen the movie actually the full way through though. Oh. So I know I definitely need to actually watch this one properly at some point. Gotcha. All right. What is your next one then? Okay. So I'm going to keep the spooky vibe going and uh, my oh, next pick didn't match at all. we'll see yeah that's a good question but uh my next pick is actually uh casper the uh 1995 movie based on casper the friendly ghost um it's spooky season right now and uh my son has really been liking this movie so i think that's a little bit why this was at top of mind when i put my list together but i think this movie is a really good kids like horror spooky sort of property like I think they did a really good job with this movie and I think it holds up in this weird way because the way that all the ghosts in this movie are CGI and this movie came out in 1995 so obviously that CGI would look very dated 
But the way that all the animated characters in this movie are presented in that weird, like, half transparent aspect, it's almost like you don't notice any of the flaws in the CGI. The same way and kind of the same way that, like, the ghosts in the original Ghostbusters movie still hold up because they're yeah. like half transparent like it kind of has that aspect to it and i think this is just half, like because it's half practical yeah yeah exactly and this this movie's not half practical it's you know it's still cg but it's that half transparentness to it i think really helps with making this movie hold up but overall i just think this is a really fun kids uh movie i think it's a it's just a good like halloween go-to for me and uh yeah i don't have too much more to say than that i just uh i kind of always really liked this one did you watch um did you watch the industrial light magic docuseries on disney plus yet no is there part about casper they do cover casper a little bit because ilm did the ilm did the ghost effects in that movie so they talk about that a little bit because of the cg character creation and that kind of thing so oh neat that's awesome uh, it's not it's not a big section but they do cover it uh so you might like you might want (laughs) to it's funny how ilm covers these random like obscure side movies and that gets that ends up being the stuff you're really excited to hear about you know but uh no that sounds really cool yeah um, all right, so my third pick of the night is uh, probably one of the more successful um, film adaptations of a series, and that's Mission Impossible. Oh, I knew you were going to pick this one. Great, great call. Um, I have talked several times on the show for my love of the Mission Impossible series, and they're doing like so much cool stuff, especially with the Tom Cruise stunts that he tries to push and all that stuff. However, this is based on a television show back in the 60s and 70s. Um, specifically the first film was a very faithful adaptation of the television show. The movies now have kind of, I don't want to, strayed is not the right word, but they've kind of gone and become their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. so the, uh, they've kind of become their own thing. And, uh, because of that, um, the first movie was very, very faithful to the show show with Phelps and the, the the specific names they used and they kind of set the stage for how the show functioned and all that stuff. It was very well put together in that aspect and set the stage for what we were going to get. But it's such a good movie. Um, I don't want to dwell on it too much just because I've gone on and on about Mission Impossible yeah. past, but you know. I can kind of see how like, you know, the first movie, like the newer the newer movies, we still get that sort of like this message will self-destruct in 10 or in five seconds sort of thing. But I can see how like there's probably not a lot of the original TV show elements still intact. You still have that amazing, amazing theme in every movie. But yeah, I, I can definitely see how that would happen. There is no denying that the Mission Impossible series is an amazing movie series. The reason it didn't make my list is because I don't know the original TV series really at all. And I just didn't have that. I don't have that reference to compare it back to the original show. Like I've never seen a single episode of it. So that's the only reason it didn't make my list. But uh, definitely a good call, like undeniably a good call on that one. So. All right, man. What is uh, your next one for the night? (laughs) Pick the evening. Yeah. So speaking of successful movie series i actually went with the 2007 film transformers the uh, michael bay film that we all know and love and uh like i've mentioned already this episode there's a lot of when you start looking up 
TV adaptations on film, you run into a lot of these comic book properties, but Transformers, as far as I know, was undeniably first and foremost, well, it was first and foremost a toy line, but it really was a TV series as far as the storyline presentation of these characters, first and foremost, unless you can prove me wrong, but like I've watched that, you know, <laughs> the toys that made us episode and that's the impression I got. And, uh, the, I feel like the Transformers movies, the more they go on and on, the more of a sort of, the more messy the plot gets. But I think the first one is like a really concise, just good film. It's just a great pop, popcorn flick to sit down and watch. Um, I don't know if I have too much else to say. Like, it's just, it's just a good time as long as you aren't going to nitpick every little thing, you know, it's a Michael Bay, Bay oh. movie, take it for what it is. But uh, I, I still really like this one. So I don't know what your thoughts are, Drew. Look, the Transformers movies are really good in general. They really are. Um, the first, I know people don't like the second one, but I actually think there's a lot of really good in the second one. Um, <laughs> the first three I think are great. Um, the fourth right, one right. found to be boring. I really enjoyed the fifth one. Um, I never watched, I never saw Bumblebee, but ultimately these movies oh, you haven't... are good. Yeah, okay. I never, I never saw Bumblebee and I feel bad about that a little, a little bit. Um, but I never watched that one. Um, so, so Bumblebee is probably my second favorite out of the series, maybe next to the first one. Um, so I, I definitely think you need to watch this drew. And like the best part about Bumblebee is the robot designs in that movie are exactly how you would want the transformers to be represented because it's that old school, like eighties action figure blocky style, but they found a way to update it and make it look just really badass in like a current movie. So yeah, you definitely need to check that out whenever you have the chance. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Um, the. Uh, yeah, but as an adaption from a cartoon property that was, I think, built entirely for TV as opposed to like comic yep. books or things that just in that medium, it's a really, really the first movie was a really good, solid adaptation. And, you know, absolutely the first time you see Optimus Prime transform for the first time. You're just like, yes, I'm in, you know, like it's just <laughs> it's a, it's a state of awe. And you're just like, wow, they really nailed it, you know? Yeah. So. And Michael Bay was smart enough to get the original Optimus Prime voice actor, which is just a great aspect yeah. to those movies. And when you think of like, I feel like that's just one of the most iconic voice acted voices like in the last, I don't even know, 40 years or something. And I, I just think that's awesome that Michael Bay didn't hire like some big name like action movie star. Like he got the original guy because he knew like this is the guy. This is the voice of Optimus Prime. Like you can't replace him and stuff like that. And I'm going to steal the words out of your mouth, Drew. We're looking at you, Halo. <laughs> 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 uh yeah absolutely um all right so my second to last pick of the night is probably the most successful of all of this um because i was really thinking about it and i was like there's no way we can't talk about this like i was gonna okay. i was not i was there was gonna not put it on my list but i really think this is the most successful and i think we have to cover it because we don't get a lot of things without this existing. And that's star Trek. Um, Oh yeah, this is a good call. Like the, the original series ran and then it stopped and disappeared for a while. And then star Wars happened and we don't, and George Lucas has gone on record that 
we don't get Star Wars without Star Trek. And yeah. then because of Star Trek's pop- Star Wars's popularity, they're like, well, let's do Star Trek and big screen. And that's when they got the actors in and they started doing the film adaptations. And if you look and when I say film adaptations, they pulled um, they pulled original stuff, but they also kind of went their own direction and updated everything. So even though they got original actors and stuff back, it is updated versions of everything that we knew. Yeah. Um, uniforms, ships, everything. And it. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. And then just the franchise in general, it spawned this huge thing. Um, I real like, you know, Next Generation got their films and, you know, it just it became this massive thing. And now it's, you know, still pumping out, you know, stuff. But yeah, so Star Trek was. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm just thinking of back when uh, Star Trek Generations came out and you saw that first trailer and you're like, Wait, they can have the original cast and the next generation cast in the same movie? Can they do that? <laughs> can I they know. possibly do that? Like, it was so mind-blowing. But I don't know what to say about Star Trek that you haven't, Drew. But you're right. This is definitely, like, you can't not talk about this. Um, it's definitely one of the most successful examples of this topic this week. And, uh, no, my issue with Star Trek was just I couldn't think of a specific movie to point to that would be my favorite one. Like there's a lot of parts of like the different movies throughout the entire series that I love, but I couldn't think of like that one star Trek movie that I wanted to point to, I guess rat wrath of Khan would definitely be a good shout, but uh, I just didn't go there with my list this week. So, yeah, I gotcha. Um, but yeah, I had to, there's no way we couldn't talk about star Trek. So absolutely. Uh, so I, I like that you had you had Batman 66 and Star Trek. So you're definitely hitting some classics here. So, right. I think my entire list is like all classics, if you think about it. Like, yeah, they're <laughs> updated. Like, like Mission Impossible is a classic show that became a big franchise. Batman 66, Get Smart, you know. Um, what's your second to last pick? Yeah, so my second to last pick is the... Speaking of classics, it's the 1992 Mike Myers and Dana Carvey film Wayne's World (laughs) based on the uh, Saturday Night Live sketch that we all know and love. This was the one pick on my list that I felt like could have been considered a cheat because is it its own movie or is it a direct continuation from the uh, Saturday Night Live sketch? I'm not really sure. Or is is it even a TV show? (laughs) (laughs) true and it's a tv show within a tv show like there's all sorts of weird uh weird uh walls being broken here but the thing about wayne's world is like i love this movie i think it's hilarious i think i don't know for for me wayne's world goes back to when i was going to art school and i was in my dorm room and i had a i had a vcr and no cable and i would be working on uh art projects all night you know for class the next day And I would listen to movies in the background. But like I said, I had a VCR and I only had three VHS tapes. And those three tapes were Fight Club, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Wayne's World. (laughs) So I watched all three of those films so many times. And to this this day, each one of those films is one of my favorite. But Wayne's World to me never gets old. Like there's always subtle jokes in there and subtle references that you can still pick out with every watching and uh This is one of those things. It feels really dated. It feels very 90s, but it also in a weird way feels timeless because you still know that if you go to any high school in America, you can still pick out the kids that are Wayne and Garth to this day. Like there's still those Wayne and Garth 
Beavis and Butthead sort of kids walking around. And I feel like the legacy of this film will live on in that way in a weird way. So I don't know. I love this movie. I'm probably going to mention it plenty of times on the podcast again. So I don't want to go on too long. Drew, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Wayne's World here, but I I feel like this is your big cheat because it's not really a show, but I hear what you're saying. (laughs) Well, it's, Um, it's, it's definitely a segment from a show. I like I definitely think it counts, you know. Yeah, well, that's well, that's the thing. When I was doing the research on this and I hit Saturday Night Live, the list of movies that came out of Saturday Night Live. So you're just like, yeah, okay, I see. Um, (laughs) Well, so I did I did pick this one because I was thinking about going with like maybe Night at the Roxbury or uh, I think there's one or two other ones I thought of. But Wayne's World does hold up like really well for me as opposed to those other picks. So, uh, yeah. Wayne's world holds up really well in general. You both of them do. And I really, honestly, I think it'd be really fun. I know Mike Myers, he was on, um, he's in the movie Amsterdam, the new David Russell film. Oh, and, cool. he was on, and he was on Fallon talking about it. And Fallon asked him if he'd ever do another, um, Austin powers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that'd be fun, but I honestly kind of like get Dana Carvey and do a new Wayne's world. I mean, yeah. they they brought Bill and Ted back, so yeah, they did. And when they, and they world, did, you know, and they did the couple Super Bowl commercials, I think a couple of years ago, they did the they did some Wayne's World Super Bowl commercials, and they had some celebrities on there like with them, and I was like, I bet you these celebrities have no idea what they're doing, like who who's Wayne and Garth? I don't get this, you know. So um, yeah, and when it comes to Austin Powers, gets so cartoony, and I feel like Wayne's World has this really too real in quotes sort of presence where like Wayne and Garth were really just some dudes living with their parents, making their own TV show. And I really want to know where those characters nowadays are. And I think that like real world relatability is kind of a really cool aspect of that, you know? And uh, I don't know, you've just got me thinking about Mike Myers because you mentioned Austin Powers. And then I think of, uh, you know, Mike, Michael Myers did the uh, voice for like Shrek as well. And I just think of like, I feel like he has left such a so many stamps on our culture that I feel like get really overlooked. Like nobody thinks of Michael Myers as like this really important cultural force. But when you really think of the characters he's played, like he's played some really iconic characters, you know, and it's it's just awesome when you actually take the moment to uh, look back at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. So is it my last pick of the night? Yeah, yeah, go for I it. Kinda, I kind of, at this point, since it hasn't been brought up, hope that we are going to match on this. <laughs> um, but that is the Adams Family. Nice. Uh, did we? No? Sort of. Sort of? Okay. <laughs> um, no, the Adams, and we've talked about this before, but the Adams Family movies, the one with Christina Ricci, Christopher Lloyd, and uh, Raul, Raul Julia, and um, Angelica Houston and stuff, those are such faithful adaptations to the source material they're fantastic they're comedy gold there is so much funny and so much subtle funny so even though you have the laugh out loud comedic moments there's some jokes in there that just when you think about what they like did they really just say that that's hilarious you know like it's (laughs) it's it's just great so yeah adam's family i don't have too much to say about it it's just those movies are awesome and um i honestly think that adam's family values is probably there's a chance that it might be better than the first one, but it's definitely one of the greatest sequels out there um, in terms of movies in general. So, 
Well, that makes a great segue because I actually went with the Adams Family Values oh, for my okay. finally, final pick this week. But uh, what you're saying about just subtly funny, I think, is the best way to put it because there's there are, really are so many lines that the characters say. And they say it completely straight and so matter-of-factly. And if you aren't paying attention, you might not even hear all the aspects of what they're saying. But there's so many good, just subtle, morbid jokes and stuff that's in there. Um, I love both of these movies. The reason I went with Adam's Family Values is just the humor of this movie just stands out so much better for me. And I think it's just like... They really upped the ante, ante like humor wise, because like you have the whole um, the whole aspect of like uh, Uncle Fester is like uh, and his relationship with the Debbie character and how she's kind of like just in it for the money and stuff. And that's like, I think, a really interesting plot line. But then you have uh, Wednesday and Pugsley going off to camp and there's just like dozens and dozens just of hilarious jokes and scenarios just from that aspect of it and it makes me think like thinking of those camp scenes and adam's family values it makes me kind of wonder like the series wednesday looks good because it's wednesday it's kind of like a riverdale-esque adam's family story set in like a creepy hogwarts sort of scenario which sounds awesome but i almost just want the show about wednesday just going to a regular school with regular kids and just seeing her weird everybody out but I guess based on the first trailer, it does look like we kind of get a glimpse of that at first. But I just think that's like a really cool dynamic they should maybe have explored, exploited more. But I haven't seen the new series yet, so well, I can't idea, say too much. Yeah, you know, The idea of Wednesday going to the real school with real kids is because of the snotty, like, uh, rich girl from Adam's Family Values. Um, yes, because she's like, I'm just better than Wednesday. <laughs> and then she's they're like, we need someone like when they're in the swimming class. She's like, I, we need someone to be the victim. And she's like, I'll be the victim. And Wednesday goes all your life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, God, that's great. You know, so. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just it. It's just amazing. Like, I, I think both of these movies are a good pick and they're kind of a tie for me. But I think a lot of it's really a lot of those summer camp moments from Adam's family values just really tickle me like in the right way. And I think, uh, I think it's like one of some of the best camp moments in movies really come from that movie when it comes to like the ridiculous, like Thanksgiving play they put on and just like, I don't know, just so much of it's so good. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit losing, running out of things to say, but I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on Adam's family values here, Drew, but um, not directly because I think they yeah. have both movies roll in together as one. If you think about it. Absolutely. So, so I've one, one last thing I'll say is uh, if sure. you remember Adam's family value, uh, Gomez and Morticia have a new, like a baby, a new member of the family named Pubert. Yeah. <laughs> That's the little baby with the uh, Gomez esque mustache on his face. And you have no many, t you have no idea how many times I've made references to Pubert Adams in groups and stuff, and nobody seems to ever know what I'm talking about. Because you know, you ha hang out with like uh, different like right. families and stuff, and at one point, some kid gets a mustache drawn on their face, and you make a Pubert reference, and everybody just kind of looks at you blankly, and you're just like, "Come on, dudes, Adams Family Values, like, where are you at, man? <laughs> like, you know what I mean?" <laughs> Yeah, and that <laughs> is sad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People don't get it. Um, well, that kind of brings us to the end of our list. Um, next week, we'll have another one. Do you want to know what we're going to talk about, Pete? No. 
No? Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. No, no. Well, <laughs> next week next week is my pick, and um, this list comes from a uh, something I scrolled across on Twitter, and it made me go, ooh, what an incredibly fun list to discuss. We are in a world of women empowerment and female heroes and all that stuff, but there was a time in film history when it was all about rescuing the princess. Um, so I thought it'd be kind of cool film, television, video game, book, comic, doesn't really matter. Who are our top five favorite damsels in distress? Oh Uh, man. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, I thought this would be kind of a really fun list to kind of dig in. I don't care what media you pull it from because you might say, you know what? Princess peach, man, how many hours I logged in Mario trying to rescue her, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, could be, this could be a fun uh, list to discuss. So damsels in distress next week. So, that's great yeah um Good all right you wanna we talked a little bit longer than normal actually we wrapped it up a little bit better than i thought we were going to so um <laughs> that is the way we were going at the beginning anyway um let's toss this episode in the can you cool with that yeah all right everyone do us all a favor check out our website top report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with the link to our email top report at gmail.com um you can hit us up there Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. We are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We are also now on Amazon Music and Audible. Um, So we're at a point where we can just say whatever podcatcher you choose, but I'll list them off right now. You can subscribe to us in all those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, um, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I'll be telling you about the massacre that occurred when Yandu entered into the intergalactic whistling competition. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, thanks for listening. Everyone have a good night. Thank you.